okay, so we're starting a new sermon series this week, and it's going to be on the book of Proverbs. Uh, here's my open, opening question. What have you learned recently in life, about life? What have you learned recently? Quickly, write it down. Something that you've learned recently in life, about life, write it down. So what we're going to do in this Proverbs sermon series is that we're going to go through the entire book of Proverbs, uh, and the sermon series will be six, seven, eight weeks, and, uh, and the idea is that you read along with the sermon series. So everyone should read the entire book of Proverbs uh, before we done, we're done. We'll be publishing a reading guide with four or five chapters uh, every week. Uh, that you can use to, uh, to go through it. An alternate reading plan is just to read one chapter a day over the next month because there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So you could choose either one. Uh, and then we will take uh, the week's sermon from the reading of that week, right? So these Proverbs should be in your head, and every week we will touch on a few of them uh, from the week's selection so it's an idea that we are going to go through this uh, together. Um, everybody following it? So keep your eyes peeled for resources uh, about that. Uh, Proverbs, uh, the book of Proverbs, a Bible study on the book of Proverbs, I would say, is not really about going deeper with God. It's not about going deep. It's about growing up. It is about wisdom. It's about learning stuff which leads to going deep with God, but hopefully you, you take my point. You might say, now what is a proverb exactly? This is a book of proverbs. It's a collection of these things called proverbs. Well, a proverb is a saying. It's a condensation of an important learned principle or an idea. It's a saying that really encapsulates nicely an insight into life. And when you take a chunk of wisdom and you encapsulate it nicely in a, in a brief saying, it does some nice things for you. It helps you remember that nugget of wisdom, actually. It's easier to remember one brief saying than it is to remember a paragraph of advice, right? Um, and in writing them, in, in trying to condense big wisdom into short, pithy sayings, it helps you to get to the essential point of the matter, right? If you want to write wisdom in one sentence, if you want to take a big idea and encapsulate it in one sentence, you really have to get to the heart of it fast. So sometimes in life, we get mired down by the details. Well, a proverb is a way to just kind of get to the heart of it, right? Just to cut through all the details and just get to the core idea of what it is that we should be learning, knowing, and applying in life. If your thinking is vague, this is just a general principle, if, if your thinking about life is vague or unarticulated, you know, if you, if you ever find yourself saying, well, I can't really explain it, but, you know, it's kind of like, if you can't explain big ideas in simple sentences, then you probably don't understand the big ideas well. Um, you remember in high school, your teacher always said, what's your thesis sentence? Write it first in the paragraph. And if you can't write one, you don't really know what you're talking about. You're being suggestive, but not really wise. 
So Proverbs help you with that. And Proverbs, because they are short, potent, powerful sayings, they help you teach understanding and wisdom. And we find Proverbs all over the Bible because of that. We find Proverbs not just in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Paul was a big fan of using Proverbs, um, many of which he wrote himself. You will find them uh, throughout all the, all the epistles, all the letters that Paul writes to his protégés, uh, the epistles that we have in the latter portion of the Bible. Uh, he, uh, he wrote a couple letters to his protégé, Timothy, and uh, four or five times in those letters, he says, here is a trustworthy saying, blah, 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 blah. Um, and we get the impression that Paul taught Timothy with these little proverbs that he had learned in life. Um, here's one from a uh, second chapter of uh, Second Tim. Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying, if we die for him, we live with him which is a nice encapsulation of a general principle. You feel like you're just sacrificing your life for Christ? Good. That's how you find life in Christ. And so when you're having one of those days where you feel like, man, I'm just losing my life, then you remember this proverb, if we die for him, we live with him. And that helps you stay close to the heart of it. Of course, that was probably stealing one of Jesus' sayings, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross daily, uh, which was a, a Jesus uh, proverb. He had other proverbs. It's not the healthy who have need of the physician. It's the sick. You know, if if you don't think you're sick, you probably won't understand what I'm saying. That's what Jesus said. I know you find them all over Scripture. Um, I have a Bible here somewhere. This would be a great sermon series, incidentally, to bring your Bible and read along. Anybody have one today? Impress me. Yeah. No, but I have a smartphone. (laughs) This is how the book of Proverbs opens from Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. That's at least the title to this section. The Proverbs, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right, just, and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning listen and get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Uh, That's sort of the thesis statement to the book of Proverbs. Like This whole book is to help you get smart in important ways. And it will help anybody get wise even the young, even the simple-minded. So pay attention. These are the sayings of the wise. In other words, this, these sayings come down to us from people that we recognize as solid teachers. That's what the book is. Uh, it's a collection of sayings that communicate life wisdom. Uh, it's filled with truisms about how to live. Truisms are like truth, except that they're a little more a little more specific, you know, practical advice for given situations. Uh, they are pragmatic in the extreme. In the extreme, in, in Proverbs, you don't find a lot of airy-fairy stuff. Um, this, this is very practical uh, stuff, guidelines for how to get through the day well. Uh, practical guidelines are always truisms instead of big truths because situations vary wildly. So they're rules of thumb as opposed to rules, you know? 
um, things that, that help you, but not like the foundations of our theology uh, in, in the Lord. It's a book of wisdom in two senses, senses, I think. One, it contains many nuggets of wisdom, but it also is about the value of wisdom. When you read the book of Proverbs, you should understand that wisdom is valuable, and you should add to your wisdom. Those two things should happen in you. I love the book of Proverbs. In fact, it was really one of my favorite books when I was a kid. And I think initially that started because I could read Proverbs and uh, not have to read very far to get a good lesson. You know, you read one verse, two verses, you really got, you know, you got a nugget of wisdom. You don't have to read, you know, half the book of Leviticus and then meditate on strange laws. Um, So I really liked reading uh, the book of Proverbs Um, As a result, um, I took to writing them for myself uh, when I was very young. At the beginning of the sermon, I asked you to write down something that you've learned recently. That's been a practice of mine uh, for decades now, actually. So here are some of my Proverbs. Uh, Some of these are are fairly recent. Uh, Number one, if you don't flirt, you'll never fall. Right? Is that not true? When you hear it, that's absolutely true. I mean, the way you fall morally in life is that you flirt. Nobody just wakes up and decides to jump off a cliff. You just sort of edge toward it and edge toward it. You start playing with it, and then you're on the bottom suddenly. You're like, I don't know how this happened. You know how it happened. You flirted with disaster. Uh, A man may be be quiet because he has nothing to say or too much to say. That's from an introvert. I know from whence I speak, or don't. Uh, First emptied, then filled. First emptied, then filled. Some of you who have come to my office for counseling might have heard me say this. If you come to my office and you're like, there's something missing in my life. I mean, I got all this stuff going on, but I feel like there's something missing. And I will say, first emptied, then filled. Your first problem is that you probably have a lot in your life that doesn't belong there. Let's take care of that first. And then we'll talk about filling your life uh, with significance. Just a truism, a rule of thumb that tends to be helpful. Uh, Virtue is only born from choosing. If you want to be a good person, you have to make good choices. Choices are how we move through life. I like this one. Uh, Few have what it takes to do the best they can. Very few of us really try to do the best we can in anything because we're too scared to just give 100% at something. We're scared of what it might mean if we fail, or scared that's going to be too costly. Few have what it takes to do the best they can. Anyway, why do I write these things down? I write them down because I've learned them, and coming up with Proverbs helps me to remember them going forward, helps me to apply them going forward. And again, that came from reading the book of Proverbs when I was very young. You might be thinking, well, wisdom, you're throwing that word around a lot. What does it mean? Have you ever known a wise person? Does anybody in your life think, man, that's just a really wise person? As, as distinct from a wise guy. Um, um, what defines a wise person? Or in your life, if you've had one, what defines that person? Well, probably that person had the ability to know what you should do. Probably the person just gave you good practical advice. 
you know, navigational advice for life. And probably the insight that that person shared with you was practical insight based on unshakable values. There's the nature of wisdom that, that it comes from a solid place. A wise person always feels solid to you. A wise person always feels like they got something inside of them that really does not shake, does not move. Wisdom is the answer to the question, how does this all work? It's like, all right, you know, I understand some truths. I, I kind of, you know, God exists and stuff like that. But how does this work? How do I kind of put it all together and move through life? And the answer to that question is wisdom. How does this, how does this work exactly? Wisdom is not rocket science. I think wisdom by its nature is always very simple. It's, it can easily be explained. I read a few proverbs that I had come up with, and I think probably... You know, you could understand them, right? There was nothing in them that was like, wow, that's really complicated. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I can see that, right? Wisdom is always like that. It can be easily explained, but it can be easily overlooked, forgotten, uh, or misplaced in life. You know, you know it, but you kind of don't think about it very much. And that's another reason to have Proverbs in your head or in your heart so that you don't misplace wisdom. We misplace wisdom all the time. We don't live up to that which we know. We know better, but we, we don't live up to it. I think that characterizes human society. Uh, one arena in which I think we can all see it is politics. Can I get an amen? It's like, how stupid do you have to be to do insert legislation here? Um, one thing that's going on right now is uh, a debate on uh, basically legalizing marijuana in Hawaii. Do you guys know that there are bills in the House and the Senate in, in Hawaii State? Um, I, you know, I, look, I hear about that and automatically I think, uh, we're going to lack some wisdom about this. I just have a feeling uh, that people aren't going to live up to what they know. Um, HB 321 and SB 682, if you're interested in looking it up. I think, let's just think of an analog. I, let's just think about the tobacco industry. How smart were we about cigarettes and big tobacco in America over the last generation? How smart were we? We were a bunch of idiots, right? And everybody realizes that now. Uh, we not only legalized tobacco, but we promoted the industry. You know, World War II, uh, the army would put cigarettes in the rations of the soldiers. Uh, we did all of that without bothering to examine what cigarettes actually do to people. We jumped in without even saying, you know, what might it do to lungs to breathe in dirty smoke habitually every day? Hmm. Put it that way, we probably should have been fairly conservative about it. But we weren't at all. In fact, we promoted it became a huge industry, millions of dollars flowed into political uh, coffers. Once big money came into it, man, it got really unwise. And what did big tobacco do? Well, it added intensity to the tobacco drug, right? It put a bunch of nicotine and other additives in cigarettes. Why? Expressly for the purpose of giving people a bigger high, which gets them more addicted. Totally characterized uh, big tobacco. And then they marketed it to kids, right? 
Uh, we, that was like all the lawsuits are based on that. They expressly marketed to kids. They came up with packaging that applied to young people. Well, we're doing the same with marijuana right now, except that we know full well that it's harmful. We know full well. Marijuana, this harmless drug, is already number three nationally in causing ER visits. It's behind alcohol, because alcohol is really prevalent, and cocaine, well, because it's cocaine, and it's super destructive. But marijuana is already number three, and it's not quite, you know, it's only legal in a handful uh, of states. You know that if teens use pot regularly, they suffer a permanent eight-point IQ loss? Permanent. You know that? Anybody who cares to know it does. Um, Teen users are five times more likely to drop out of high school. 500% increase in dropout rates among teens who, who regularly use pot. Uh, one in six regular teen users will become addicts. They'll have to have help uh, to get off marijuana at some point in their life. Two-thirds of teens who enter drug rehab centers these days do it because of addiction to marijuana. Two-thirds of our teen addicts. Um, your risk of developing schizophrenia is up to six times higher if you smoke pot. But, you know, it's, it's just a plant. Uh, pot users are twice as likely to suffer depression and psychosis. Twice as likely. Um, and what's happening now in the pot industry is that people are figuring out how to intensify the, the quantity of THC in pot, which is the psychoactive element that makes you feel the way that you do when you use it. So my, my parents' generation, you know, the hippie generation, smoked joints were, that were between 2 and 3% THC. Well, now the strains that are common run at about 30% THC. They are 10 times more psychoactive, which, of course, makes them more addictive and more harmful and big, you know where that intensity comes from? Well, big companies are now experimenting to make them more potent. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, totally familiar uh, to me. But we're legalizing it. We're giving these uh, marijuana use certificates. Uh, supposedly, they're for medical use, but they're becoming hugely popular. Uh, we even have them here in Hawaii right now. In California, it's the biggest case study we have right now, you know that 80% of marijuana use cardholders in California, 80%, more than 80% of them are white men between the ages of 18 and 35 who have no chronic condition diagnosed, but they complain about a headache. And they know a doctor to go to to get the card. Uh, and they have, uh, these men uh, almost all tend to have history of, of drug and alcohol use. Less than 5% of cardholders in, in California have cancer, HIV, AIDS, glaucoma, or epileptic seizures, which are the conditions that, they're supposed, that marijuana is supposed to be uh, most useful for. Less than 5%. Every state that has developed marijuana dispensaries has seen a sharp rise in youth use. Of course they have, because that's really what, what the game is for. And everybody kind of, kind of knows that. There are intelligent ways to get you know, THC to medical patients that need it and that benefit from the pain-killing qualities and anti-seizure qualities of it. Of course, you know, we need to do that, but I think it's just being done in an unwise place, and uh, that's enough about that, but I'm just, we know better. We know better, uh, and we see stuff like this all the time in the, in the political sphere. So wisdom, you know, it, it's based on practical knowledge, it's based on practical insight. It's based on, on truth, on experience. 
But more than anything else, wisdom is based on a single value. And that value is the value of learning. Wise people are good learners. You have to want wisdom to get it. Number one. Sounds really simple, right? Yeah, if you want to be wise, simply value wisdom. And then it's really not that complicated. Sound easy? A value for learning. And in particular, a value for learning godly things. I'm just going to insert that there because I'm legally required to do it as a minister. Um, Wise people are wise because they've made a point to learn godly wisdom. Foolishness, the opposite of wisdom, comes not when things are too hard to understand. Foolishness comes when people simply refuse to learn. That's, that's the truth. Um, you either pursue wisdom or you, or you despise it. And, and it really, that's kind of a spiritual battle. And it's the spiritual battle that we all face. Are we going to pursue wisdom or are we going to decide against wisdom? We are all in the middle of that spiritual uh, battle. It's, it's hard to argue against wisdom when you put it out there because it's so simple and it's so obvious when you hear it. So you can't argue against it. Instead, you get mad at it or you disrespect it. You know, and we have all seen this. You know, we've seen this in, in rebellious teenagers for millennia, I imagine. You know. Um, hey, don't stick your hand in the flame. You'll get burnt. Oh, yeah? Don't tell me what to do. Right? We recognize that spirit in humanity, do we not? It's not, it's not that you're going to argue with wise advice. It's that you just kind of rebel against wise advice. Like, for an emotional reason, you decide that wisdom is of no value to you without ever really considering the content of the wisdom. It's that rebellious spirit of foolishness. It's, it's, a, it's a moral deficiency, not an intellectual one. In fact, the word that is used for fool or foolishness throughout the book of Proverbs, it will come up a lot, is a word that in ancient Hebrew uh, suggests um, moral deficiency, that you're kind of broken uh, in, in your spirit. I, I wrestle to come up with an English equivalent, and I, and I can't quite do it. You know, when we say foolish, we think of someone who's, who's making a, a, a foolish decision. When we say fool, it's someone who does things that are stupid. But for Hebrews, it means stupid but sick, too. Um, this, is a, a, this is a terrible word to use, but one word that we use sometimes in an accusatory, insulting sort of way in English that's close is the word psycho. You're just psycho. So it's like not only is your thinking wrong, but there's just something fundamentally wrong. Um, that's what fool uh, or foolish means uh, in, in, in the book uh, of Proverbs. Uh, which leads us to what I think is, is probably the most famous proverb. Proverbs uh, actually appears a few times in the book, uh, but it appears in the first chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise <coughs> wisdom and discipline. NIV says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and, and discipline. In other words, if you want to get smart, uh, respect the Lord. It comes down to respect initially. 
If you're willing to expect and submit, then you're going to get really wise. If you're not, well, you're going to be a fool, is the, is the implication. That's how it starts, and it makes sense. You don't stick your hand into the fire because you don't trust the argument. You stick your hand in the fire because you're mad at dad for saying not to do it. That's how it works uh, in humanity. Everybody following me so far? What do you think? Is wisdom exciting or boring? Wisdom, yeah. Way better than, I don't know, surfing. Main text for today come from Proverbs chapter 4. And I just want to highlight a few things about the opening four or so chapters of Proverbs. We'll do, that in, we'll do it in chunks, uh, but the reading that you'll find in your bulletin, I guess I could read it from there, uh, from Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 7. Listen, my sons, uh, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake. Do not abandon wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. I just love that passage. It's just so instructive. The first four chapters of the book are really just a call to get it. Get wisdom. Go get it. And it's like, I have to convince you to be smart. Why is that even necessary? And so it's kind of a meditation on that, the first four chapters. The beginning is just decide to learn something. And when you learn it, don't forget it. You know, listen to what I'm saying. It's really valuable. Why would you not do that? It's kind of like it's the tone uh, of, the, of the opening chapters. And, and then, you know, this value statement. Though it costs you all you have, get it. Get wisdom. There is, there is nothing more valuable. There's no instance in life in which you'll say, well, this, this may be foolish, but it looks really valuable. Right? There is no instance in which that is a good thing to do. Uh, and the logical extension of that is get wisdom before you get anything. You know, you gotta, you gotta go for it. There are other verses uh, in, in the first section uh, that I think pretty much uh, say the same thing. Uh, Proverbs 2, uh, 1 through 5. My child, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, put your heart in it. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And I think God's knowledge is probably a fairly big knowledge. So what this is saying is like, if you go for it with passion, with all your heart, if you pursue it like you would pursue a, a great treasure, um, then you will be wise like God is wise. How cool is that? That would be fairly valuable. 
I think God is probably a, a smart fellow. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Listen, uh, my child, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. People will be able to see it on you if you simply decide to pursue wisdom. If you dedicate yourself to learning wisdom, if you dedicate yourself to learning practical, godly knowledge, then all sorts of good things will happen. I won't go through all the Proverbs, but here are some of the promises about the value of gaining wisdom uh, in the first several chapters of the book. Uh, if you uh, pursue wisdom, you will stay safe. You won't get into stupidly dangerous situations. You will resist all peer pressure. Uh, you will avoid temptation of all sorts. You will never fear being caught in shame. You will experience health, and you will always have enough in life. I want to teach my kids wisdom. Proverbs 3.18 puts it this way. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. A tree of life. If you get wisdom, then you'll get everything else. So is wisdom exciting or boring? Starting to sound exciting. So the first four chapters of the book of Proverbs are basically saying uh, the key to life is being willing and passionately eager to learn godly stuff. Why? Well, because God is the architect of the universe. And so learning wisdom from him uh, helps you learn how things work. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. It's like, if you listen to the Lord's lessons, then you are listening to the architect's lessons. He knows how the machine works. He knows how life is supposed to run. So go to uh, the source. Well, just to close out this sermon and in the spirit of the series, I thought I would reflect on uh, a few actual proverbs from the opening uh, four chapters. Ones that... Uh, I have committed to memory and that have proven particularly fruitful in my life. Proverbs 3, uh, 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. I bet that sounded even better in the original Hebrew, but do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. But it is so changeful when you incorporate it into your life. You know, should I, should I help or should I not help? It's not the question. The only question is, can I help? And if I can, I should. That has simplified so many life situations for me. So many. Can I do something? Do it. Totally shaped my life. But it makes sense, right? Uh, and I'm always sort of reaffirmed in the value of these little sayings when I can find them elsewhere in Scripture. The, uh, the apostle uh, James in his epistle, in chapter 4 of his epistles, he puts it this way. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. If you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, it's just as good as committing a sin. Or I think of Jesus' uh, house on the rock parable. You've heard my commands. 
If you don't put them into practice, it's like building a house on sand, going to be very destructive for you. You've heard my commands. If you do them, you'll be solid against every storm of life. You'll be rock solid. Same, same. Uh, Proverbs 4, chapter 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You know that one? You use that all the time in premise, don't you? That's a sozo verse right there. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. The Hebrew word for heart literally means guts, uh, which I like better. <laughs> you know, guard, guard your insides, because uh, that's really where, where life comes from. It's been so meaningful in my life. I, I think it means like living out of principle or living from your convictions is more important than living out of externals. You know, it's, it's really what you have in here that should determine the, the course of your life. So do whatever you need to do to keep that solid. Um, have a solid internal life. If, if you look to people to tell you who you are, then you're not really protecting your heart. You know, what is your heart anchored in? What is your identity anchored in? Those are the sorts of questions that it brings up. Super cool proverb for meditation. Uh, Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. Um, my, uh, my high school girlfriend's parents gave me this proverb on a big uh, plaque when I went to college, and I hung it in my dorm room. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. The next verse clarifies it even more. Do not be wise in your own eyes, um, which has the, uh, the great fortune of rhyming. Always makes it easier for me to remember. Uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Everything you do, check, is the Lord in it. And the result will be that you have a very straight path in life, that you don't make a lot of wasted turns. It may seem crazy, but you'll always be going forward. All these sayings I have down by heart. These are proverbs that I could quote for you. Down by heart, that's a great phrase. Uh, my great-grandmother used to say, do you know it off by heart? Um, um, instill that in me uh, when I was young. When you, when you know something by heart, it means that you have it at your core, uh, which is one of the great reasons to memorize these pithy little sayings. Wisdom, I think, is different than expertise, if you're wondering. You know what I mean by that? Expertise means you're an expert in one thing. It's a specialization. And really, our society, our economy is built on specialization, on people of expertise. You know, uh, the experts are the ones who are respected. Uh, you know, this is an expert in legislation. This is an expert in medicine. This is an expert in finance. This is an expert in psychology. And we have all of these experts. But what we don't have is an expert for life. You know, we've We've divided life into these little chunks and then pretended that if you know a lot about one chunk, uh, you're going to be a super helpful person. But life cannot be specialized. You can't just be wise in relationships, but completely unwise in the way you conduct yourself. That will just lead to terrible destruction. Uh, you cannot be wise in the tools of education, but have no idea what content is worth teaching. That will lead to wanton destruction. Can I get an amen? 
Thank you. Uh, it helps a little if you're wise in medicine, uh, but really that's not so helpful if you have no idea how to help people make healthy choices. They'll just end up right back in the doctor's office, and what will happen is that you know medicine will get very specialized and very expensive, but people will get increasingly unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Uh, you can't be a good husband but a poor father, because if you wreck your kids, that's going to come back to, you know, haunt your marriage anyway. Um, it does us little good to have brave soldiers if they are unfaithful soldiers. Great, dis- great destruction will happen. Uh, you can't provide social services to people in, with, you know, in, in bite-sized chunks with narrow boundaries. If you're going to help people, uh, you really need a comprehensive way of caring for them. Uh, beginning, I, I would think, with teaching them a value uh, for wisdom. Health is comprehensive, or it means little. If you're missing just one vitamin in life, you will die. You know? doesn't matter how good you do on vitamin D if you have no vitamin C in your life. Um, same, same way that, that wisdom works. Wisdom is comprehensive by its nature. Uh, the social incentive is to become an expert. I don't think there's any social incentive, any popular incentive today to encourage you to be wise. It doesn't pay. It doesn't pay, except, you know, in the ultimate sense it pays. But you can't get a paycheck for it. You can get a paycheck for being an expert. And we see that, right? A lot of fabulously rich, popular, successful celebrities who just wreaking destruction left and right in their personal lives and elsewhere. There is no value for wisdom, though it calls in the market space, as the book of Proverbs said. It's right there. It's so easy if you just value it, if you just pursue it. Um, There are penalties to not pursuing wisdom. Foolishness, we'll talk a lot about those, but here's one verse that just sums it up. We'll just leave it with this. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You see people who are just wrecking here, destroying there. Their life is a shambles. They're like, I don't know what's wrong. Or maybe you are wrecking things here, wreaking destruction here, just hitting one brick wall after another. And you're like, I I, I just don't know what's wrong. How does this keep happening? You know, it's like you're walking in darkness. You You have no idea what's going wrong even if you recognize that there is something wrong. And that is indicative of a lack of wisdom, of a life that lacks the pursuit of wisdom. So write a saying this week. In fact, I'll give you two weeks. For Jeannie's going to preach next week. But two weeks from now, I'll come, and there will be a quiz. And uh, need a quiz next week? There's always one brown noser in the class, isn't there? Uh, yeah, then I'll give you a quiz, see if you wrote a proverb, and if you did, you get to heaven. If you don't, you know. Uh, whatever. Can we do that? Yeah, you're a, little, you're a little muted. Is it because it's really humid in here? Yeah. But wisdom is exciting? All right. It will be a good sermon series. I will leave you with one proverb just to get the juices flowing, and it's a proverb on, on, on learning, I think. The hardest part of any discipline is believing it will count. The hardest part of any discipline is believing that it will count.
Let's pray. Father God, we'll wrap this up where we began it. Let your kingdom come. Let your spirit rest in this place. And let the wise among us receive the presence and power of the Lord. I pray, Father, that you will uh, change our hearts as you might uh, have changed our bodies, that you will bring healing and refreshment and coherence and order to the way we approach life. First things first. First, get wisdom. Understand the ways of God. Respect the Lord. I pray, Lord, that uh, you will give us proper foundations so that we can grow up. We can stop running into walls and making juvenile mistakes and wondering which way to go as if if the information isn't there. I pray, Lord, that in so doing, you would keep us safe, healthy, strong, and pure. Let your kingdom come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.